Welcome to Legalish on Dash Talk X. It's Demetria L. Graves here, family law specialist in Pasadena in Beverly Hills. And today we are talking about money. I am doing a two-part series called Let's Talk Money. And today, in the next show, I have a special guest. I'm so excited. Tell us your name, where you're from. Hi, my name is Aliza Kanuni, and I am a certified specialist in bankruptcy law. I'm from L.A., so I'm an L.A. native, Yay. and I'm very excited to be here. Yay. So this came about because, especially with divorce, a lot of people have financial challenges. Our last show, we talked about financial literacy. So I thought now was a good time to talk money. Yes. Especially in relationships. We don't like to talk money in relationships. No, we don't. And I've noticed in my office, a lot of times people are divorcing because of money. So I thought it would be a good idea to talk money before we even get into a relationship, before we even make the step, take a good look at our financial picture and say, okay, where am I? So I think you and I are starting from the place of, oh my God, I'm in this relationship with this person. We might be going to the next step. I might be in financial distress. What does that look like? When will someone potentially be in financial distress? So we uh, help people who are anywhere from, you know, either no income or they're on Social Security or they make they could be making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. And any of those people can be in financial distress. Um, When I look at someone's financial situation, I like to look at the whole picture And what I'm looking at is, um, are you able to save money? Are you just putting things on credit cards and then paying those credit cards? And are you just making the minimum payments? So usually that ends up um, being kind of a litmus test. Mm -hmm. If if you need credit to survive, then that tends to be financial distress. Mm -hmm. What about some, because I know some people that use their credit cards because they want the points or the credits or whatever, but then they pay it off. Is that a sign of financial distress or is that just a preference of how you pay your bills? No, that's something that um, if if you're paying it off each month and that's not financial distress and you're just using that instead of like using your your debit card. Mm -hmm. If you're paying it off each month, then you're not actually using the credit to live off of. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we live in an expensive city and people tend to supplement their income with credit. Right. What is a good balance on a credit card to... To maintain. So if you say, hey, I'm maintaining about a $5,000 credit balance, is that a good thing? Depending on what your credit limit is. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. 5000 is not bad. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty typical um, as far as not, that's not a, that's not too much. Mm-hmm. What's the highest you've seen on a, on a credit card? I mean, um, on credit cards, I've mm-hmm. seen when they have a higher limits, I've seen up to 50 grand. What is the minimum on 50 grand? It depends on the APR. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if someone has a business and they have a line of credit, uh, those tend to be lower APRs. Um, but, you know, the minimum payment on that can be anywhere from, you know, a couple thousand going up. Yeah. Wow. And, and on there's some, so there's different kinds of credit. There's like, um, you know, lines of credit, there's credit cards, and then there's kind of companies that are like, um, for specifically for businesses that are very high right. interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is a quote unquote good APR for a credit card? 
a good APR for a credit card is, um, I would say, like, you want it to be under, under like, 15%. Mm-hmm. And so those with 30 40% interest, we should rethink yeah. credit cards? Yeah. And also, you want to keep in mind, how much am I paying each month on interest? Right. Right. Why do you think it's important to come to terms with your finances before even getting into a relationship? It's super important because I have seen in my practice that if people address their financial situation before they get married, um, then both partners will be in a much better place to be able to start a life together. Mm-hmm. Because when you get married, you're you're not just, you know, it's not romantic. It's, it's also finances. You're it's living. business. Yes, yeah. it is. Absolutely. Right. Um, so in my, in my practice, when I see people coming to me after they get married, I think to myself, I wish you called me before you got married. Right. Um, because what we can do before you get married, you have a lot more flexibility than after. That is so true. I find it that a lot of people are afraid to be honest about where they are financially, especially in LA, right? Cause everyone's rich in LA, right? <laughs> <laughs> So I think people are afraid to be honest with their spouse or potential spouse about where they are. A hundred percent. People want to always have an image of I'm doing great and everything's fine. And um, they people spend beyond their means, especially in this city where um, it can be image oriented and people can, you know, get caught up in it. Right. So what do you say to someone that says, hey, I'm considering getting married but I'm in this financial bind, what do I do? Well, what what we do is we will look at their entire situation, their income, their expenses, their assets. Mm-hmm. Um, do they have real estate? Do they have equity in the real estate? What's their debt? And we look at all of that, and then we can give them their options. Mm-hmm. Um, so those options include um, debt resolution outside of bankruptcy or, or bankruptcy alternatives. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of times when you say bankruptcy, everyone kind of goes, ooh. And before we get into the details of that, which we will in our next segment, there are also some good good things about bankruptcy, and, and it's not always bad, right? What is bankruptcy? So bankruptcy is a process which is, uh, you know, is basically something passed by Congress to allow people to get out of Debt and be able to move forward with their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just as a public policy, the government doesn't want people paying their credit cards and not having money for retirement. Right. They don't want to, people to be destitute when they're older. Right. So bankruptcy allows people a, a, an opportunity to get a fresh start mm-hmm. and to say, okay, you know, you started, you tried to run a business, it didn't work out. We're not going to make you pay this off to, for the rest of your life. We'll get you, uh, we'll let you out of this debt. We'll forgive this debt. Well, if that's the case, then why don't they forgive student loans? Because a a lot of times that is the biggest. I agree with you 100 Mm percent. And from what I'm seeing in my practice, um, student loans are, in my opinion, the next big bubble. It's Mm -hmm. a big problem. I'm seeing people with hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loan debt making $3,000 a month. It is not sustainable. Right. Um, These people are, are paying for a mortgage without owning real estate. Right. So it's a huge problem. What do you think is going to happen? Because, you know, I've been seeing little discussions about it. And there are programs now where college is free and that sort of thing. So what do you think? 
I'm hoping that there will be changes in uh, tuition. Um, I'm also hoping that there will be changes to the laws allowing for dischargeability of student loans. Right. That's like a much bigger battle. Right. Um, but for now, there are still options with student loans. If you have private student loans, there are mm-hmm. options to settle those. Mm-hmm. So that is an option that people don't. A lot of people don't know about. You can I know, actually. I don't. What is that? Yeah. How do you settle? So a private student loan debt is mm-hmm. is similar to a credit card, right? In that um, it's private, mm-hmm. so it's not given to you by the government. Mm-hmm. So even though you can't get rid of it in a bankruptcy, mm-hmm. you can actually settle it with that student lender. That is very interesting. Yes. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to talk to you about one, how do I even tell, I'm just using myself as an example. I'm not married, y'all. <laughs> but how do I tell a significant other, you know, this is kind of what I'm going through. I just want you to be aware um, with the understanding that some people might shy away from that. And I think that's a big hurdle of why people don't tell. And then I want to talk about some of the alternatives to bankruptcy because everyone doesn't necessarily want to have that lingering around. So let's take a quick break and we will be right back.
on Dash Talk X. Today, we are talking money. How to structure your finances so, you know, you get into a healthy relationship and that's one hurdle you guys don't have to clear because it's cleared before you get married. I'm all about a holistic approach to handling issues, especially because I see in so many marriages, they're ending because of finances. And from what I've seen, a lot of times if it would have been discussed earlier on before it became this, you know, tornado, then there might have been better success. So I'm here with my special guest, Aliza, and she's giving us some tips of what to do when you do um, face financial distress. And we're going to get into one, how to tell your potential significant other that you're having these problems. And then we want to talk about bankruptcy, what that looks like. And then we can talk about the alternatives if there are any (laughs) to bankruptcy. So have you ever had to walk a client through, okay, we need to tell your significant other about what's going on? Absolutely. Um, I've had people come to me before they're married and, uh, you know, we discuss their options Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I think that honesty, being honest and upfront with your potential partner mm-hmm. is super important. One, to manage expectations mm-hmm. so that that other person knows where you're coming from. Right. And just like anything, um, being open just leads to more openness. Right. Have you ever had someone bring in their significant other with them to your appointments? Yeah, it's actually mm-hmm. pretty common. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend that or do you like to have an appointment with the person in financial distress first before they bring in company? It's really up to them. Um, I think that if you are going to be sharing your life with someone, mm-hmm. then and if you feel comfortable bringing them in, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's really up to them. So what are the steps for bank? Well, let's start with bankruptcy since that's kind of what we're talking about. So. Do you ever recommend bankruptcy or do you say, okay, you kind of reach a certain threshold, you should start thinking about it? Is there a set whatever that someone should consider or? Basically, when people come to us, um, I do an assessment Mm -hmm. of everything and then I walk them through their options. Mm -hmm. If someone is, someone has very uh, limited income, Mm -hmm. then they have less options. Mm -hmm. If someone has more income, sometimes they can either file bankruptcy or they can settle their debts, mm-hmm. which is an alternative to bankruptcy, mm-hmm. where you um, get principal reduction on your debts, mm-hmm. but you don't you don't get a bankruptcy on your record. Mm-hmm. So, what does that look like? How much of your debt can you settle? How long does that take? So, as far as debt settlement goes, it's really a per uh, per account. Mm-hmm. Um, what what we do is we approach each creditor, mm-hmm. and you do have to default in order to get a settlement. Right. So settlement 
will you will get a hit on your credit report if you want to settle your debt. Right. But basically, you have to do a cost benefit analysis. Is it worth it to get it take a hit to my credit report or my credit score right. and save, you know, potentially forty, fifty thousand dollars? Right. But it, I think with the bankruptcy, and please correct me because this this mm-hmm. is not where I practice. But doesn't your credit get better after a year or so yes. with the bankruptcy? Because yes. it's all gone, right? Exactly. So uh, there's a big misconception. People think that bankruptcy is the end of their uh, credit right. history. They're right. done forever right. for 10 years. And um, nothing could be further from the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen clients come out of a bankruptcy. And if they actively rebuild their credit, mm-hmm. within a year or two, they're up in the 700s. Wow. Yeah. But then there's downfalls to that, right? Do you have to wait to buy property? What are some of the downfalls of having a bankruptcy on your credit? Yes. If you want to qualify for an FHA mortgage, it could take two to three years after Mm -hmm. um, you're done with the case. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting a car loan, you won't get the best rate Mm -hmm. out of a bankruptcy. Um, For how long? Yeah. I mean, you're going to, again, you're going to have to rebuild. So probably like it'll, it'll probably take like, over a year, mm-hmm. between one to two years to mm-hmm. rebuild. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I've rarely had a client say that they regretted filing bankruptcy. What are the biggest myths you hear about filing for bankruptcy? Um, there, you're gonna all of your assets will be taken away. Someone's mm-hmm. gonna come to your house and like take your furniture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, they'll take your house. Mm-hmm. But you do have to have an expert or specialist when you are considering bankruptcy because there are a lot of pitfalls. Mm. And if you don't have someone who knows what they're doing, it can be, um, you can end up in a worse situation Mm -hmm. after bankruptcy if you don't know what you're doing. So what are some of the common pitfalls that you see? Common pitfalls, we don't see it in our practice because we do our due diligence. Well, you're a specialist, so no. (laughs) (laughs) But I have seen and heard of people who... Um, will file a bankruptcy if they have too much equity in their house. Mm. And then um, let's say when you file a Chapter 7 bankruptcy, for example, Mm -hmm. there's someone uh, called a Chapter 7 trustee who's assigned Mm -hmm. um, by the Department of Justice Mm -hmm. to be fiduciary for your creditors. So their job Mm -hmm. is to find assets that are not protected Mm -hmm. by various state laws or federal laws and to liquidate those assets. So if you are in a situation where you have more equity in your property than you are able to protect, which can only be really determined by, you know, a really good lawyer who knows what they're doing, then you can lose your property. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's pretty, it can be pretty high stakes. I've heard a lot in, you know, in in family law cases, a lot of times people think because we put it in our quote unquote judgments, and I think we're going to talk about this in our next Mm -hmm. show that it's automatically protected by the bankruptcy court. Is that true? If you I'm sorry. If you put an asset in a divorce judgment, let's say, that it's automatically protected from the bankruptcy court. Meaning in the in the divorce decree? Yes. Like if if it goes to the other person? Yes. Yeah, so that's not necessarily true. Right. Um there's actually a case that came down um the name escapes me, <laughs> but um that where a Basically, someone, a couple, they got divorced and they divided their assets and they transferred the assets that they couldn't protect to the other spouse, which was a house, I believe, with a lot of equity. And the person who was going to file the bankruptcy kept the retirement accounts, which are pretty much 100% protected in a bankruptcy. 
So the bankruptcy trustee ended up pulling in the property because um, it was considered, um, you know, basically part of the estate and it wasn't, it, it, the bankruptcy court can undo a lot of things right. that are not considered equitable and fair to creditors. Right. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. And yeah. I tell people all the time with, with the divorce, um, there are so many cross sections of the law that yes. you, you have to be aware of just in general because otherwise you can be in some trouble. Yes. So we are going to take our second break and we are going to come right back. Breakfast of Tiffany's and bottles of bubbles Girls with tattoos who like getting in trouble Lashes and diamonds, ATM machines Find myself all of my favorite things Been through some bad, I should be a savage Who would have thought it turned me to a savage Rather be tied up with calls and my strings Write my own checks like I might wanna sing on Dash Talk X. This is Demetria Graves. I'm a family law certified specialist in Los Angeles in Beverly Hills. And I have Elisa here with us, who's also a specialist in bankruptcy. And today we are talking money. And before we finished up our last segment, we were talking about some major pitfalls in filing a bankruptcy and the importance of hiring someone that's skilled in the area I think that's the problem in our profession in general. Like some people dabble here, here dabble there, and that's not always the best thing, especially with something so specific as bankruptcy. So what are more pitfalls that you see? Um, so other pitfalls I've seen is people don't, 
And the, this tends to come up more again when someone hires an unqualified attorney, or if they do it, or if they do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't know that something like royalties. What is a royalty? A royalty is like let's say if someone is an actor mm-hmm. or a you know a musician, or mm-hmm. you know they get income for work already done, right? Um, residual income. They don't. People don't necessarily view that as an asset. They view it as mm-hmm. income, right? But it's actually an asset. Wow. So in bankruptcy, mm-hmm. royalties become an asset. Oh, wow. So someone is depending on this income, and I have to tell them, hey, you can only protect a certain amount of this. And how much, what is the percentage? So it's not really a percentage. It's more, um, it's statutory. So okay. in California, for example, there's something called the wild card exemption, mm-hmm. where you, it's just went up to 30000 So you could protect $30,000 of any asset mm-hmm. in a Chapter 7. If you've lived in California for at least two years. So oh, there's wow. all these little qualifiers. Right, right. So imagine if someone doesn't know what they're doing, they've lived in California for a year and eight months. Right. They, they're not entitled to that oh, wow. exemption. So there's just so much to it. Right. And people think, oh, bankruptcy is just forms. And they don't realize. <laughs> they say the same thing about family law. Today. Yeah. That it's yeah. so form-based that, oh, I can do that. But there's so many nuances. Right. Um, and... You, you only know about the nu- nuances if you get into trouble. Right, right. Are there any other major pitfalls you want us to know about? Yes, um, other pitfalls. Let's say if you are a real estate agent mm-hmm. and you have um, you know, something in escrow, people don't realize that that is considered also an, a receivable. Receivables are considered assets mm-hmm. in bankruptcy. So if you are a real estate agent, you want to be aware of that if you're planning to file a bankruptcy, a, a chapter seven, particularly. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's very interesting. I never knew any of that. Mm-hmm. What is the bankruptcy process? If I wanted to file, what, what can I anticipate and how long does it take? Depending on what kind of bankruptcy you file, the process can be a little bit different. So I'll go through the simplest one first. A chapter seven is pretty in general. Um, it's pretty uh, quick and we try it. At the Ganuni Law Firm, we make it as painless as possible. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we get your financials. We put all the information into the forms. We put it all together for you mm-hmm. and obviously go through your budget with you. Um, you have to review everything, You know, make sure it's correct, and then you sign it. We file it electronically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a hearing that is mandatory for you to attend or whoever, whoever's filing. Is that the creditor's meeting? Yes, it's. How long between the time someone files their request until they get to the creditors meeting? About four to six weeks. Okay. And even though it's called the meeting of creditors, most creditors don't show up. Okay. The the creditors that end up showing up are generally if if they're personal creditors, if there's some, some, you know, bad blood between uh, whoever filed bankruptcy and whoever is allegedly owed money. Right. So usually they don't show up because really they don't have to. Right. So... What are some debt that people cannot include in a bankruptcy? We've talked about student loans. So mm-hmm. what else is a major? Other things that they can't get rid of are um, spousal support mm-hmm. payments or anything really ordered by the family law court. There is a, in a different kind of bankruptcy in a chapter 13, you can get rid of some um, family law debts, which are the equalization payments. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's, it's, a challenge to right. do that. Okay. Um, other debts you cannot get rid of. Um, 
things that are ordered by uh, like government, mm-hmm. um, you know, like if you've if you've uh, violated a, a statute and you have to pay restitution. Um, so yeah, like things that are, are some taxes you can get rid of some taxes in bankruptcy, but not all. Mm-hmm. So those are the big ones. Okay, so after the creditors meeting, that's four to six weeks after filing the petition. Then what happens? Then you wait a few months. You wait about two months from the date of your hearing. And then you, if your case, if it all goes well, you get your discharge. You get, you are debt free. Mm -hmm. So it's like a three month process. And so does the trustee notify your creditors that the debt has been discharged or how does that happen? The court. The court court does. does. Yeah. So what happens if a creditor contacts you after you received your discharge? They're not allowed to. Okay. And so you would just notify your lawyer and if they, are continually harassing you and your lawyer notifies them that they're not allowed to do that. They could be, you know, in contempt of court. So what is the punishment for a creditor to keep? Depending on if they knew that the person filed bankruptcy, if they were Mm -hmm. notified and they just continually harassed the person, Mm -hmm. you know, you could file a a motion with the bankruptcy court saying that they're violating Mm -hmm. uh, the bankruptcy um, injunction Mm -hmm. and they could get sanctioned. So how long between the time you get your discharge papers, because that's a pretty fast process, Mm -hmm. until you get your next, let's say, credit card? Or when do you start rebuilding your credit? Immediately after, you'll start getting uh, credit card offers in the mail, which sounds really weird. It's very counterintuitive. Right. But it's because you are now credit worthy. You don't have any debt. Right. You are debt free. Right. Just as an example of, of... you know, an analogy to that is um, I have clients who are not able to either get a job or rent an apartment if they have a lot of bad debt. Right. But if they file bankruptcy, they don't have a problem because would you rather hire someone who's stressed out and has a bunch of debt chasing them around, you know, creditors chasing them around, or would you rather hire someone who has no debt and can concentrate on their work? But why do jobs and apartments even ask if you have a bankruptcy then? You know, I think it's just a, because it's just part of the form, but I've, mm-hmm. I've never had someone not be able to get an apartment because they filed a bankruptcy. So what is a reason or reasons that someone might not receive a discharge? So someone might not receive a discharge. It's pretty rare, um, but that would have to do if they were sued for fraud. Uh. So if you're sued, if you, if there's like a, a lawsuit against you for fraud or mm-hmm. someone's alleging fraud, then that, creditor can file something in your bankruptcy saying like you committed fraud, you should not be able to get a, you should not be entitled to a discharge mm-hmm. or they, they could file something saying you shouldn't be able to get rid of that specific debt. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Um, but we always uh, notify our clients um, before we even file the case. We say, Hey, it looks like you've been sued for fraud in this case. Mm-hmm. There's a high likelihood mm-hmm. that this creditor will file what's called an adversary in your case. Mm-hmm to basically say you shouldn't be able to, to get rid of this debt. So mm-hmm. we're always very honest with our clients right? because um, we always wanted them to know what to expect. Good, good, good. So what about, because some people just don't want to go the bankruptcy route. So what is the process if someone wants to settle their debt and, and not go forward with the full bankruptcy? Yeah, so we help a lot of people settle their debts mm-hmm. instead of bankruptcy. And the process is that you still have to... You know, you're not going to get a deal on a credit card if you're current, because when <laughs> right. you're current, mm-hmm. you're not showing financial distress. Right. So it's really only 
if you fall behind on your credit cards, mm-hmm. that credit card offer uh, credit card companies will be willing to take less. How far behind does one need to be before they'll start talking? Usually three to four months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we reach out um, on our client's behalf and we negotiate settlements. And on average, what is the percentage that the credit cards settle for? Um, it dep- it's really it really depends on the economy. In the 2008 to 2011 time period, when the economy was worse, creditors were taking lower amounts. Right. At this point, we're seeing more 30 to 50 percent. Mm-hmm. And if they sue you, mm-hmm. um, then a little it could be higher. If they have a judgment, oh, they wow. usually don't take less than 60, 70 percent. Right. Which is why it's always better to deal with what's going on right. rather than ignoring it. So what advice would you give someone if they're considering between the two? Like the example we're using, if you're, you know, engaged or thinking about getting into a long-term relationship, um, debt settlement might be a lot longer. It could. Right? It so, could take longer. Right. This is true. Mm-hmm. And it's more expensive. Really? Yes. How much more? Well, it's a lot more because in a bankruptcy, you're actually wiping out the debt. Right. Whereas in debt settlement, you're paying some of it. Right. And so, how long are the payment plans typically? You no, know, it just depends. Mm-hmm. So different creditors are willing to work with um, with clients, you know, just depending on the particular circumstance. But we're mm-hmm. sometimes able to get payment plans stretching out 12, 24 months. Right. So if you're looking to get married and, you know, I guess if you're in a plan, that might not be so bad. Um, but I guess we can talk about next week. Do you take the plan payments into the marriage and kind of what that looks like and how does that impact your relationship if you're paying $800 on the settlement here Mm -hmm. and kind of how that impacts finances. And so what are some other tips if you're considering between the two? Um, It just, you, you just want to look at your finances and see, do you have money set aside to uh, pay your creditors Mm -hmm. or are you completely tapped out? Mm -hmm. So that would, you know, we don't we don't recommend taking money out of your retirement to okay. pay your creditors, mm-hmm. especially when you're young, because you're going to get a very high tax bill. What is it? 30, 40 percent? Yeah, it's going to be really high. And then you're right. taking money away from your retirement. Right. But we do see people do that a lot before they come see us. They wow. really try their best. Right. They really want to pay their debts. Wow. So I don't know. I think I'm still confused. I don't I wouldn't know what way to go if I'm facing this. What are some personal questions you might ask to make that decision? Because I know you can't say, hey, you should do X. Yeah, it depends on your assets as well. Some people can't file a Chapter 7 Mm -hmm. because they'll lose their assets. Right. So those are cases where we tend to do debt settlement. Now, what about the new, if you're in this relationship, the new spouse? What are some ways that that person can be protected so they they don't feel obligated to assist with with? These, yeah, so that's payment. where prenuptial agreements are great, mm-hmm. and it's something that um, people should definitely consider. Mm-hmm. If one spouse is in a high risk, works in a high risk field, like maybe construction or other fields where they might, you know, um, have be sued or have high, um, you know, high overhead, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, prenuptial agreements are a great idea. Right. Do you see any of your clients having object? Because I've seen some really heated arguments when it comes to prenups. Have you had to have that conversation with your client? Like this might be a good idea to kind of protect both of you, essentially. Yeah, I mean, people tend to 
come to me after they're married. But if they do come to me mm-hmm. before, then I, I would recommend it. Mm-hmm. This may this show be a light for someone <laughs> that it's a really, really, really good idea. If you are looking to just have a long term relationship with someone before you move in with someone to really have a serious talk about finances. Because if you go in blind and, you know, you have these agreements amongst each other, but not really understand what their other obligations are, you might be in some trouble. Wouldn't you say? A hundred percent. I think that um, a lot of problems could be avoided if they're discussed beforehand, especially regarding finances. Um, And the irony is that uh, if you, if people would deal with their finances beforehand, they could probably be in a much better position going into the marriage right. and be under less stress. Right. And that would help the marriage grow. Right. I agree with you. So we're going to take our last break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about tips to not even go see Elisa. Although we want her to have all the business, but I think it's important to be aware of your finances, what that looks like and avoid even having to have this conversation. So we will be right back. Falling into you. Baby, even electricity can't compare to what I feel when I'm with you. Oh, baby, giving up my ghost for you. Now I'm see-through. You give me a feeling, feeling so strong. I know you've been treating, treating yourself wrong. So let me care for you.
Welcome back to Legalish on Dash Talk X. We are talking about money. We have just spent the whole hour essentially talking about getting your finances together before you get into a long-term relationship. We want you to be empowered when you enter into your relationship. I'm sure there's going to be a whole host of other things that stress you out. Money should not be one of them. So I wanted Elisa to talk to us about five ways or more to avoid this, this situation, to avoid even having to come into your office. What are some things we can do to make sure our, our finances are in order, that we're not getting into trouble? Okay, so I think the first thing to do is to be to be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's the first step to say, okay, can I really afford this car payment? I want this car, but can I afford it? Right. How much is the gas going to be for this car? Mm-hmm. How much is the insurance going to be for this car? You know, living within your means, basically. Right. And I think that it's... it's what awesome. does that mean? Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. But what does that even mean? Everyone says live within your means. So kind of, does that mean my rent should be 15% of my income? Or what does living within one's means mean? It means... um making sure that for your necessary life expenses, mm-hmm. um, you have, you're not like if you're making 4,000 a month, your rent shouldn't be 2,000 a month. Mm-hmm. That's just too high. Even in LA? It's, it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard in LA. Yeah. That's why, to be honest, I have a lot of clients who leave. Right. They do. Right. Because it's so expensive here. Right. Especially if it's just you. If it's just yes, you, it is exactly. ridiculous. But another thing is, let's say you get married. Um, it doesn't mean you should be spending even more on rent. Right. So again, that's what living within your means. Not not saying, okay, we're making this much, so now we should be spending more on rent. Right. It means spending less than what you can. Right, right. That's a great tip, being honest with yourself and not putting your head in the sand and avoiding kind of what is in front of mm-hmm. you. And also uh, avoid, trying to avoid temptation. Mm. So, you're, you know, people get credit card offers in the mail all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I just recently called a couple of credit card companies. I said, I want to stop getting these offers in the mail mm. for, for a variety of reasons. One, you know, you, it increases the chances of identity theft. What right. if the wrong person gets a hold of your mail and they have these, you know, like checks yeah. and stuff? Um, so, you know, cutting down on, so again, avoiding temptation, mm-hmm. um, trying to not have so many credit cards, but still having credit. So you right. want to have credit. Right. You have to have, you have to use credit to have credit. Right. But keeping it, you know, again, reasonable. And again, it goes back to being honest with yourself. Right. Um, trying as much as possible to not, not get into debt. So we talked a little bit about student loan debt. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the culture has improved with regards to people being more careful about student loan debt, mm-hmm. but I still think we have some improvement to do. Right. Um, just knowing that a, a private school college education doesn't get you the income it used to. Yes, exactly. And yeah. being careful about also co-signing student loans for family. Right. Being careful about parent plus loans. Right. Um, other things you can do. Before you leave the student loans, I've seen a lot of, parents encourage their kids to go to a two-year university first before they go to the big universities Mm -hmm. and kind of cut down on costs. 
because most schools in the first two years, you're kind of doing like their basic pre prereqs anyway. Exactly. I went to Santa Monica College for the mm-hmm. first two years mm-hmm. and then I transferred to Berkeley and that's yes. one of the best things I did. Right. I saved so much money. Yeah. You save a lot of money because you don't have the housing. You don't have the high tuition. Exactly. I think that's a, a great way to at least consider um, student loans. But like you said, college isn't, for whatever reason, what it used to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so people should be thinking about maybe student loans for grad school, but being careful still. Right. Knowing that it's not, you know, you don't want to get into $300,000 of debt for and, and earn $3,000 a month. Right. I I agree. What else do you have for tips? Um, other tips I have are... Uh, what do you think about a budget? Should everyone a, have a budget? I think people should have a budget. Uh-huh. I think people should also um, think about lifestyle changes. Okay. If they are spending beyond their means. Mm-hmm. And uh, those lifestyle... To be honest, sometimes I, I go through clients' bank statements mm-hmm. and I'll see them spending a single person spending $900 a month on food. Wow. And so these are people who are in financial distress. Right. And, you know, so so you have to look at your budget and think, is this, does this make sense? Right. Should I be spending this much money on food? So what does a budget look like, right? Because we hear all people say, okay, you should spend 5% on this, 15% on this. Do you have a, a idea of what that looks like for people? I think it could, it's a little different depending on your family size, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, I think that um, in L.A., again, rent is very expensive. Yeah. So that's going to be the majority of people's budgets. Right. And it's just a matter of, um, yeah, putting a pen to paper and um, figuring out what you can do. Right. And figuring out when it is important uh, to cut costs and where it's important to not cut costs. Right. One, one tip I do have that's important is if you own real estate um, and you have equity in your real estate, um, to make sure you have umbrella insurance. Mm. What is umbrella insurance? Umbrella insurance is extra insurance in case of in case you get into like a really bad car accident. Mm-hmm. Um, that insurance would kick in, um, and that basically protects your property, right? Because someone could come after the equity in your property if you get into a bad car accident. And they get um, injuries that are beyond what your insurance policy limits are. Right. So I'm seeing a lot of that. Really? Yeah. So when did that happen? I didn't. So you can sue someone beyond their mm-hmm. policy limits. And I'm seeing it a lot, and it's mm-hmm. very unfortunate mm-hmm. because umbrella insurance is so cheap. How much is um, approximately? You can get a million dollars of coverage for like three hundred a year. In addition, three hundred dollars. In addition to your whatever your your car insurance policy is, yeah. Wow. So yeah, there's a trend not expensive. Of, wow. But it's people don't know that mm-hmm. I've had clients who have tons of equity in their property and they're right. like, I, I've never, I don't know what insurance, uh, umbrella insurance is. Right. And you need to have it. You need to protect yourself. Have you seen people go into bankruptcy because they were sued because of a bad car yes. accident or something yes. like that? All the mm-hmm. time. It's mm-hmm. very common mm-hmm. in my practice. So what about civil judgments? Are those included in bankruptcy? You can get rid of them. Um, unless those judge, unless those creditors sue you in the bankruptcy, so you could get sued in a bankruptcy. Uh-huh. That's why bankruptcy is not just—it's not just um, okay. You're you know, get out of jail free. 
necessarily. <laughs> right. A lot of times it is, but mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, they can, if it's a, a creditor that's not willing to let go. Right. Um, or they have grounds, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. For example, if you get into a car accident and you're driving under the influence, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they could sue you in the bankruptcy and they'll they'll be able to uh, have that debt. Mm-hmm be accepted from discharge, meaning you would not be able to get rid of that debt. Right. So you'll probably have that debt plus restitution plus, plus, plus. Right. Wow. Any other tips for us? Just working with a good CPA, mm-hmm. um, you know, being aware of like where you can maximize your um, tax shelter. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you can put money into 401k when you're younger mm-hmm. um, so that you have, you know, you don't get taxed on that. Right. Um, what are your thoughts on saving money um, for retirement or otherwise, if you have this mounting debt, do you recommend still saving and paying the debt or focus on paying, paying debt? I, I don't focus on, I'm not, um, a proponent of paying bad debt. Mm-hmm. I think that it's, um, if it's not working for you mm-hmm. and, and it'll never end unless you cut it. Right. So I, I'm a big proponent of getting people out of debt mm-hmm. and whether it's through debt settlement or um, bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen people hold on for so many years trying to pay their debts. Right. And in the end, they could have saved so much money. Right. So do you have, before we end for the day, do you have any last, anything that you want to share? Yeah, I would say that, um, again, it all comes down to being honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, when things start getting difficult addressing those things. Mm -hmm. So what I've seen in my practice is the people who deal with their issues, deal with their um, financial situation, end up being in a much better position than Mm -hmm. the people that just, you know, stick their head in the sand and try to ignore it. Right. right. You know, because those are the people who get judgments and get Mm -hmm. their bank accounts levied, get liens against their property and get their wages garnished. Right. So you really want to address your financial situation rather than ignoring it. Right. That's a good question. What when is someone's bank account levied? When does it get that bad where so, they can pull money out of your yes. bank account? So in a case where you let's say you have a credit card and you don't pay it. Yeah. That that credit card gets um charged off. People think, "Oh, okay, it's gone." Yeah. No. That just means that that credit card company sold it to a collection mm-hmm. agency. Mm-hmm. And that collection agency can then sue you if you don't respond within 30 days. They get a default judgment. Mm-hmm. They take that judgment to the sheriff. That sheriff locates your bank account and can pull money out. Wow. Or can find you where you work and mm-hmm. they garnish you at 25% of your paycheck. Right. And we're going to talk about this more next week. But if I am on a account with another person, can they still pull money out of that account? Yes. Oh, wow. That's why you have to, again... Dealing with your finances before you get married, mm-hmm. um, not having your finances intertwined with other people, right? You know, just being really careful about that. Oh wow, yeah, that would make me really upset. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. How can people find you? Um, I am in Century City, so people can find me. My my name again is Eliza Ganuni. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on the World Wide Web. What's your website? It's www.ganunilaw.com. Awesome. 
And again, this is Demetria Graves. I am also on all platforms, Graves Law Firm. Thank you so much for listening. And I am so excited that Aliza has agreed to come back for part two. Until next time. Bye. Champagne with breakfast while I'm yawning. You can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. Lord, forgive me. I can't take things slowly. I'm going on them once I get going She's trying to take it all off of me Trying to stay real close to me I gotta catch myself, I can't play myself I need to take it easy, 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 easy Right, Lisa, you need a money and visa And you get what you want always from me I can't say no when you say please I can't say no How we shot You need a baby with me, yeah And I'm taking my time, just wait, don't leave I can't say no when you say please I can't say no You wanna drink like Bayesian and dance like Trini Yeah You wanna supermodel pose like me real friend Winnie Yeah Vacation is done, but I'm not finished No Champagne with breakfast while I'm yawning Can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning Lord forgive me, I can't take things slowly I'm going on them once I get going She's trying to take it all off of me Trying to stay real close to me I gotta catch myself, I can't play myself I need to take it easy, 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 easy Stay to myself, I'll explain myself I can't play myself All first night, holy night Five in the morning, yeah, yeah And it feels like your mind Signs of the times, over the time Playing it right, playing it perfect Laughing it off, but I know you're hurting Signs of the times I say all the time Taking my time Just gets harder to find it But you're playing it right You're playing me perfect She's trying to take it all off of me Trying to stay real close to me I gotta catch myself I can't play myself I need to take it easy Easy, easy, easy Easy, easy, easy